welcome back to whatever podcast you think you're listening to. Uh, we're doing something fun today. We're having a bit of a MCU exchange uh, reunion. And so if you thought you clicked on Murphy's Law podcast, you have. And if you clicked on Marvel News Desk podcast, you have. Because we're all here together and we're going to have some fun tonight. Uh, since we've got new listeners, listening to new folks, let's... Uh, I guess just go around the room and tell people who you are and the podcast you're on and, I don't know, any other things you want to share. Adam will be alphabetical. How about we start with you? Hello, my name is Adam. That's all, that's, that is all you need to know. That is all you need to know. Well, if you're, if you're listening to Murphy's Law podcast and you don't know who I am, it's pretty clear which podcast I'm from, right? Yes. That's true. Adam also writes for comicbook.com. Nah, I don't. They don't need to know that. Yeah, he does. On the side. Just occasionally. Side. Occasionally. He's... Occasionally 2,600 times a year. <laughs> Including many of them about, if you've gotten angry about someone writing on comicbook.com about fast food, that's probably Adam's fault. Man, so I got a bone to pick, alright? Can I pick a bone with, like, everyone's rallying around Deadspin, right? Everyone's like, yeah... Kudos, you know, bully to Deadspin for them not sticking to sports. And then every GD time I post something with food, everyone says stick to comics. And I say, yeah, whatever, man. You're so oppressed. I think Caleb, you're up. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm Caleb Borchers uh, with Marvel News Desk, at Caleb A. Borchers on Twitter. And I basically do that podcast and that's it these days. So I, this is Charles Murphy. I am on Twitter at underscore Charles Murphy, and I am one of the two co-hosts of the Murphy's Law Podcast. I am that other co-host, and my name is Charles also. And I think this is like the biggest crossover in podcast history. I like to think so. <laughs> I think definitely. Ever. Definitely. Yeah, it's like, it's like the biggest crossover event since Endgame and Infinity War, so it's pretty cool. And... And you're still at MCU Exchange as Editor-in-Chief, right? Yes, I'm still at MCU Exchange, busy doing nothing, and, done, and it's a uh, blast. It's always been a blast. So that just leaves me. I'm Rhiannon. Um, I'm in the process. I'm literally I'm like on the, the Twitter process. website seeing if I can change. I'm literally I'm, I'm like changing on the Twitter my Twitter website seeing if again. I can change. Uh, I'm, I'm changing we'll my Twitter name again. Uh-oh. I haven't looked to see what's available. But since I never use my pseudonym anymore, I don't want it to be my Twitter handle. So, uh... uh Twitter handle like the MCU ooh. Exchange changes owners. Does it have a new owner? <laughs> yeah, I'm already going, oh, what do I keep of this and what do I edit out? <laughs> Keep it all in. Keep it all in. Uh, that's funny. So we thought it'd be fun to hang out and uh, talk a little bit. This show will be kind of loose form, at least for our Marvel News Desk people. We're not going to do our usual kind of categories and topics, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we just wanted to kind of catch up with each other, talk about a few things. I have a few questions, but we'll keep it open for whatever. Um Guys, one of the things we talked about in our notes ahead of time is, like, uh, we haven't talked together for a while. What Marvel project right now are you guys most excited about that's coming in our way in the next few years? Can we go reverse alphabetical order here? 
Yeah, oh, sure. Rhiannon, okay. you have to I'm go first now. Changing. And a hypothetical Daredevil revival is not an option. Okay, so we're, uh, sorry, I was changing my Twitter username. Um, I think it's going to be NYC Re, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about yeah. what we're most excited like about. Um, yeah, what, do you, what's, what so, are you most excited about what's coming down the pike? Uh, I was thinking about that earlier because I actually knew the question's coming. And oddly, the one I, well, I mean, I'm I'm excited about the Loki show because, as you guys know, I've been stalking Tom Hiddleston as much as Charlie these days, since they're in the same place at the same time. Um, so I'm excited about the Loki show, but I'm also excited about Miss Marvel, and that's because it's coming back to New York. I mean, I'm excited to see some New York show, and it the things that I'm hearing maybe Charles that are coming in Miss Marvel uh, might be interesting. So I think that's, I mean, I want to say Hawkeye, but like, there's so many caveats to that one. <laughs> yeah, like who's going to be in it? Yeah. yeah. Who's going who's gonna to be Hawkeye? Yeah. Yeah, and also for Rhiannon, how can we take this terrible version of Hawkeye and turn it into Hawkeye? How can we take the MCU Hawkeye Hawkeye and turn him into the Matt Fraction Hawkeye and then make it the show I want to see? Well, I, for one, because it's so near, I, for one, am most excited for Black Widow just for the fact that I just want to see Taskmaster in action. Like hearing everyone rave, hearing everyone rave about it in whatever clips they've they've shown in in conventions and j- just looking at the concept art the costume and and hearing the description is like i kind of need that trailer asap which hopefully comes out this month or maybe next week i don't know I just i just need that i want to see some actual taskmaster action as soon as possible there's no i can't argue with that i but you know it's not my most anticipated thing but thinking about Taskmaster on screen and, and how they're going to, you know, portray what he can do is really interesting. I, no one's going to be surprised by this. Um, I'm super excited to see Shang-Chi. Um, it's going to start filming in earnest here after the, in the new year. Um, I've been recently going back through and rereading all of the comics on Marvel Unlimited. And I kind of remember why I loved it so much in the first place. Like, each issue early on introduces some just totally crazy character. It's so pulpy. It's so, it's so unlike anything that's written today. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of it is, excuse me. A lot of it is Shang-Chi searching uh, for meaning in his life. Now that he's kind of broken off from his father. And it's a lot of um, like cool little axioms and, and him just sharing wisdom with the people and then still trying to find out where he fits in the world. And it's just such a such a different thing than anything that's being written right now. And there, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some great comics being written right now. But uh, when, when Doug Mensch was writing this, he was just in a groove and issue to issue to issue. It's just, it's, it, it's fascinating. I find sometimes a lot of the 70s comics are hard to go back and reread, but I really can still get into Shang-Chi. So like by far, that's my number one. I think my most anticipated right now is WandaVision. Like, I just love how weird 
that show continues to sound and everything we've heard about it just makes it feel a little different. Like, I feel like we've gone through these stages in the MCU where early on, uh, there's kind of this criticism that they were making the same movie over and over again. And I don't think that was totally fair, but there certainly was like this house style to what was going on at Marvel. And then they started doing this cool thing with genres where they were like, Oh, it's seven days of the condor, but with superheroes or, Oh, it's a heist movie, but with superheroes or, you know, it's, it's a, you know, all these different like genres that they went through. And what I love about WandaVision is we're not hearing that anymore. Like nobody's saying, Oh, it's this, but with superheroes, they're like, no, it's its own weird thing. It's kind of sitcom-y, but it's kind of like magic. And then there's a lot of like weird, horrifying twists. And, you know, we'll see if they actually can um, kind of come through with that. Like Scott Derrickson talked a lot about Doctor Strange as being a scary movie. And it didn't turn out to be all that scary, I don't think. So I don't know if they can pay it off. But for the first time in a long time, I'm not being kind of fed a vibe to a project at Marvel. I'm hearing, oh, this has got its its own vibe. It's got its own kind of feel to it. And I think that's a new exciting place for Marvel to go where it's not just um, kind of piggybacking on tropes of another genre, but going to its own place. And I think that with Tom King's run on Vision, they have a good starting place. I don't know how much or how little it will be like that and how much that's even possible based on the fact they don't have the same history as the comics, but they have some really good content there and they have the, a good vibe on that from that comic book. I think they can build on. And so I'm excited for something that's just weird. And so, and that to me that flows naturally into Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. I'm hoping those two will fit together in kind of a really interesting way. So I'm all here for the weird stuff. You know, we've had, enough of these movies that we don't need stuff that looks the same. We need stuff that's bizarre and different. Right. right so right, that, right. that show is like two half. It's going to be literally like uh, the first half is going to be one thing. The second half is going to be an entirely different thing. So that the, the second half of that show is going to be a, a Marvel movie played out over three hours. It's going to be intense. Um, and they hired babies, by the way, they've done photo shoots with the babies by the way, yeah. like that's, that's the thing they, that was, so there's been two different casting calls that went out for that. <clears throat> and one of them was a while ago and, um, they hired like the, I don't know, you say like the main baby set they're going to roll, but then they have like double baby doubles as well, which is what the more recent casting calls have been for. But so, um, they have babies to play, you know, whoever they're going to be playing in WandaVision. Um, but they found them and they've already, had the parents come in, do photo shoots, all that kind of cool stuff. And now they're kind of looking for extra babies to be on the set when the other, when the super babies are cranky. That's, <laughs> that's an interesting thing to think about what, why, I mean, I think everybody knows, but I think that's really interesting to think about where that's headed and, and what kind of stuff that's going to introduce. Yeah. And I think even the idea of uh, an android and a witch are going to start making babies on Disney Plus. Like, it's just it's just weird, you know. Like, I just love how delightfully quirky it is. So, uh, I'm almost wondering. I don't know if you guys have seen this old old movie, Arsenic and Old Lace, where it's got like 
Like it's an old movie, so it's kind of wholesome, but then it's like really morbid and twisted at the same time because it's about uh, an old lady that's like killing people and burying them in her basement. And I just, I almost have that vibe. Like it's going to have like the happy 50s sitcom with something far more sinister behind it. So, so if like in Leave it to Beaver, if Ward was a serial killer. Yeah, exactly. You do bring up the uh, Multiverse of Madness. Um, that movie's going to be so dope, no matter what. I, I found a, a growing sect of Twitter doesn't uh, care for Scott Derrickson. Um, but there's... Um, I mean, that's that's hopefully very gnarly. Going back and looking at Doctor Strange, it's like, man, they could have... I think they could go a lot deeper. You know, I almost anticipated some more colors, I guess, and more gnarliness. Um, I kind of envisioned, like, what they did with Atlantis and Aquaman. Like, that... I mean, I'm not excited for WandaVision at all. I don't know. I don't know, man. So, so that's... Here's the thing with WandaVision, right? That is a testament to how little Marvel has to brand the now they don't have to put a good name on it they don't have to put a catchy name they don't have to have a catchy slogan or anything man they just throw something out there and and some marketing guru um gets paid a ginormous bonus check on the burbank lot um i don't know i i I was crediting caleb's ability to hype things like Caleb is seriously the one person out there hyping WandaVision. Which that that was very surprising. I'm like, man, I thought Caleb would pick Eternals or something. And Eternals is, might be a close second for me. Um that's also out there. Also, uh Charles, you mentioned Doug Mitch, man. He's he's about to have a big couple of years, right? He's the one of the biggest Shang Chi writers. We have Moon Knight coming up, then Black Mask, right? So he's, uh, too bad Marvel doesn't really give them royalties, huh? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, because some dude right before we got on tagged me in something about the guy that created Rocket <clears throat> and how in-game grows something, and then this dude had to pay for his own medical bills. Um, and he <laughs> wanted me to talk about it on the podcast or write an article about it. Um, so, yeah, we can talk about it on the podcast. Oh, your uh, Bill Manlow's stuff? Yeah. So I don't know what the guy was after. Um, but so like, I assume that, that all these creators signed some contract with Marvel, you know, in the sixties, the seventies, whenever they did these things and were compensated for their work. And I can also assume that at the time, no one ever thought that, you know, 30, 40 years down the line, they'd have this giant cinematic universe. And so they should be, back paid royalty so i'm not sure what the what the outcry is here what like people are after but i feel like these people were probably compensated for their work at the time um but yeah i mean it's it'd be it would be awesome if into their contract they wrote like hey you know 40 years down the road if you make a movie every time my character gets in one i get su- such and such an amount of change but i don't i don't think that's the way it works so i'm not sure what the yeah. what the big push is but i i, I mean it is it is what it is. I mean, is the guy that created Cyborg getting money cuz he was in a Teen Titans show or in a in in Justice League or whatever? I don't know how that works. I think the only person that's going to get paid is Donnie Cates when uh that Cosmic Ghost Rider movie comes out, right? Right? 
right? So I'm sure I'm sure that these days those guys are a lot more cognizant of that, right? So they're right. saying, hey, when you when you decide to go with my new character, and maybe maybe that's good. Maybe that inspires them to create new characters too. Yeah, I mean, generally it's you know if you've got a contract, anything you create while you're an employee doesn't really belong to you. I mean, it's a very it's it sounds ridiculous. People listen to our podcast know that like I'm a preacher for a living. My sermons technically belong to the church I preach for. Like even though I wrote them, I don't have the right to do anything with them legally because I'm uh the employee of that church. It's a kind of similar thing, I think. What I think's important, the reason people make a fuss about this stuff though, is it's terrible PR for Marvel. So even if it's like the understood and appropriate legal context for those things, it still makes Marvel and Disney look like total bad guys. And so what you do is you cause a fuss. And Stan Lee did this like half a dozen times over his lifetime, where every once in a while when he got like tired of not making more money, he'd start to fuss and cry publicly about how ripped off he was about his creations being used. And Marvel would just send him a couple hundred thousand dollars or give him a, uh, at the end, I think he had a never ending contract where he made like a hundred grand a year for doing nothing just to be on the payroll. And the only reason they did it is so that people would not be like writing up exposés and like newspapers and stuff, making them look bad. And so I would think this would be a similar deal. The more attention that comes to somebody who's having a hard time who created one of these characters, the more pressure there is on Disney just to throw money at him just to make it look better. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But, like, realistically, Kevin Feige, who Charles and I talked about this, is now the one above all at Marvel. He didn't sign this contract with this guy. Like, he's, I mean, right. you know what I, I mean, I understand, I understand both sides of it, but I just don't know if I'm Feige why I'm like, hey, I'm going to, here's, here's, I'm going to cut you a check for this. And <laughs> the rocket raccoon in the, in the movies isn't even a decent representation of the rocket raccoon that was created. Yeah. And that argument is any guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> Could be hillbilly Yondu for all it matters. Right. Right. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. This is another tangent. Do you think Kevin Feige is ever going to be in line for Bob Iger's job? Like, Iger's been doing a lot of press stuff lately. It was kind of weird. I heard him on the radio with Ryan Seacrest today selling Disney+. And I was like, wait a minute. When did Bob Iger make himself, like, the face of this? Like, that's weird. Like, you don't expect Rupert Murdoch to, like, be doing radio interviews to sell Fox TV or, like, I don't know, Les Moonves. I guess he's gone now. But, like, nobody was ever like, watch CBS because Les Moonves says so. But all of a sudden, Iger's, like, the public face of this company and is, like, doing interviews with Oprah and stuff. And I like Bob from what I hear of him. But it just made me think, like, I could totally see that being a lifetime goal for, like, Feige, that 10 or 20 years from now, like, when Iger steps down his success propels him to where he's in charge of the whole shebang. Do you think Feige would even want that job or is he too interested in filmmaking to do that? They say it's going to be the uh, Disney plus guy. I forgot his name. Kevin something. Um, Ken something. I don't know. The rap just had something where he's <laughs> Carl he's, something. Carl. It could be Carl <laughs> something with a K. Um, Ken, Kenneth. 
Um, yeah, the Disney Plus guy. Apparently, he's doing a bang enough job that they said, you know what, let's just give him the whole company. He didn't have to do 24 movies over 10 years, grossing billions. I, Kev doesn't really give a crap about everything well, that Disney does. He just well, wants to Well, that's where I went straight stuff. to. I was like, Kevin Feige in the real-life Little Mermaid. Like... I can't see him on that side of things. On that side of things. Right. I like, feel like they give him might already have the same job. Right. Just yeah. add just add creative at Lucasfilm and then I don't think he'll go anywhere. I mean like I I was the the one time that I was fortunate enough to sit in the room and talk to that guy, he's at the end of his rope on like a press tour, right? But he's so happy when people ask him original questions that are about Marvel content, like you can see it, you can see that like, he's just, you know, zombie like, and then somebody asks him a a question about something that he hasn't heard before. And he just lights up. So I'm not sure if running Disney is his dream job or if he might already have attained that dream job. And, And even though obviously running Disney is a, you know, a higher is, is a, is a bump up in the, on the scale of things. I think he might be, where he wants to be in the hierarchy. I think he's pretty thrilled. And, and for, you know, Charles and I actually, we talked about this a while ago, uh, maybe two or three podcasts ago. You know, he's a Star Wars guy. You know, he's an Indiana Jones guy. So there were, do you guys remember these rumors about um, Black Knight being like an archaeologist? No, I don't remember that. So it was, it was something, Charles, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I think it was like a Forge 10 leak or something. Yeah, it was it was something random, and and we were like, well, we don't know if it's true or not, but like, Feige's the same age as me, so which means he grew up, and Harrison Ford is absolutely one of his favorite actors, and he, could you just see like him being like, hey, you know what we need to do, like an Indiana Jones type character, so why do you change the Black Knight out of being like a brilliant physicist? Well, make him an Indiana Jones, make him a badass Indiana Jones who discovers something that empowers him. So we don't know if that rumor is true or if it's just like some random garbage. But Charles and I had like a 10 minute talk about it. And we're like, dude, this is exactly the kind of thing Feige would dig, right? Like, how can you get Han Solo into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? How can you get Indiana Jones into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? These are all the things that he grew up on and loved. So I, I don't know. I think he can still have a lot of fun at at Marvel doing some really cool stuff. Charles, did you guys talk about... Um it immediately strikes me that Eternals already has some of that feel with um, like Margot Damien, which I don't think they'll have in the movie, you know, her and her dad and the original uh, Kirby stuff. Is it possible that black Knight is going to be like the replacement for Margot as like a POV character that like helps. It's like the human character and then discover something like, is that kind of the way you're going with that? I, I mean, it's not our, it's not a thing that we, that's just us, you know, jumping off a rumor that was on 4chan. Right. I think we I think we even talked about that, right? Like I think totally that could be the case. Like he's the you have these gods and monsters running around on earth and this is the dude that somehow discovers it. I I mean I think that's totally possible. I've been really excited about all the sets I'm seeing out of that. Like uh ancient history was kind of part of my like academic training and so like I'm loving like the Babylonian stuff and all of those, the big sets they're building and the fact that uh, Chloe Zhao seems to really like the practical stuff has been fun. 
Did you guys see that they almost got blown up this weekend? I missed this. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it like a a bomb from World War Two? Yeah, they're filming on the Canary Islands, Rhiannon, uh, which I did not know this, so I will tell for people who don't. It's like they're off the coast of Morocco, but they belong to Spain. And apparently there was like bombs that got dropped by somebody during World War Two, and then didn't explode, which is a thing that happens from time to time. So they were like just filming one day and they started like moving around some dirt and getting the thing ready. And all of a sudden they found a World War Two bomb with like Angelina Jolie and all those people like within, you know, like blow up distance, I guess. And so they like immediately evacuated the whole cast and everything. It was apparently in the end, everybody could laugh about it because they were it was inert and it wasn't a problem, but it was kind of scary there for a while. It's unfortunate Chris Evans wasn't on set because yeah. he would have jumped right yeah. on it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, they found one of those at uh, the, the Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam the day before I flew in. Yeah, what? like the day before I flew to Amsterdam, there there was like some report like a World War II bomb found like near their uh, runways. So they had to like shut down the airport. Yeah. So they had, like, yeah, Europe, man. It looks harmless. Just oh. for the fact it's near the airport. Yeah. Like how 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 did no one? I don't know. They had a lot of problems. Hard to keep track of. Yeah. All they find all they find where I live are like woolly mammoth skeletons. So that's that's yeah. a whole different ballpark for me. That's There's all sorts of bombs here. I, isn't Omaha like a nuke facility place? Like they store it or something, right? No? Is that why uh, Peyton was so fond of it? Yes. Yeah, like NORAD. Is it NORAD, North American something? Air Company? Oh, the like... uh, Santa Claus tracker people? Yeah, those guys. <laughs> yeah, I think they also are in charge of keeping the missile silos... Uh, I think they were the ones that were going to, like, push the button or something. Ah. We're going to get so many comments, like, you idiots have no idea what you're talking Pretty about. Pretty much. I mean, that's not, that's par for the course, really. Or maybe we actually say that's my know, Twitter every day. but can neither confirm nor deny that we know. <laughs> that's right. We're just, we're trying to obscure how much we know about these things. I mean, returning back just quickly to Eternal, I think it is interesting that none of us listed it at the top of our list, but it really feels like the movie that nobody really knows what this is. Like, it's a rare enough property that not many people are, like, diehard Eternals fans. The director, I mean, they've gotten indie directors before, but I feel like this is really going off the deep end, and they're doing weird stuff like filming on film, I I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this some on our podcast for, for the Charleses. Do you guys feel like you know what that movie is yet? Or is it still kind of really ambiguous exactly what's coming out with Eternals? Well, unlike Charles, I'm not as excited for the Eternals. Just because I find it... I just can't imagine how they fit with regards to the quote-unquote Avengers world established on Earth. I mean... In the comics, I, again, I don't know much. I don't know what adventures they've had with the Avengers or if they've had any other than, like, Cersei hanging out with the Avengers. But 
don't know. It's it's it's. I can't see Kit Harrington hanging out with Don Cheadle or Brie Larson in a movie. I I can't. I, I, for some reason, I can't see that happening. So, I, I like at the most, I could see Eternals being its own thing, like its own pocket in the cosmic universe with its own crossovers with maybe Guardians or some something else. But in terms of the Earth-based heroes, I can't see it happening at all. So. I don't know what to expect, really. I, I, I'm willing to be surprised, but at this point, I don't know. So, like, for me, my favorite thing about the Eternals in the comics is how um, it it just delves into the deep history. And I really, I really do get a kick out of, like, how far everything has gotten tied back into uh, that that early, early history that Kirby set. Right. So we can we can track where the mutants came from. We can track where the Atlanteans came from. You can track Conan to that. You can you can do all um, like Call the Conqueror, all those crazy offshoot things tied into uh, the the Eternals and the Celestials and and their their existence and their inter- as far as the Celestials go, interference or you know however you want to f- phrase what they did on Earth. So I think that part is is exciting for me. I don't know what role they play going forward or where they've been, because obviously we're going to find out that they've been around forever. Um, and so I, I am, I am like, I find myself fairly excited about it. I hope they, I hope they go full Kirby. I want to see all the weirdness and his, um, you know, his idea that like he, he snagged on to the ancient aliens idea, probably well ahead of where most of popular culture caught on to it. And I think that part's all really cool, but I, I, so I am excited for it. Um, but it's not, it's definitely not my number one. I don't think it's anywhere near the bottom of my list, but I, I am excited to see what they do. Um, the cast is, is super weird to me. It's so, di- and not, I, I, when I say diverse, I don't mean it's diverse as far as terms of like the, the different races that make up the cast, but like, it's just so all over the place, right? Like you have Kit Harrington and standing on maybe sharing a scene with Angelina Jolie like I don't, God, that's it's crazy to me how all over the place the cast is. So I don't know. I I'm curious. I think I don't think I'm scared about it because I don't think they'd make the movie if they thought it was going to suck. But um, definitely curious what it's going to look like. It's got to be. The, yeah. It's, pro- it's, it's got to be the, the safest. Almost the safest on the schedule, right? Like who's going to the go in there? Right? Like who's going to go in there and leave at least disappointed? In terms of, like, comic at least in terms of like and... comic accuracy, and... right? Doesn't it seem pretty safe? Right? Doesn't it seem pretty is that safe? Not a fair. If they go completely off the rails, they could be in a bad place. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, it, and, and it does. It it has a lot of opportunity to to grow not just their own franchise, but other franchises out of it, if that's what they choose to do. Like you could tie, you could tie Namor into it. You could tie mutants into it. There's so many things they could spin off of that franchise or that that single movie, I guess. Charles, Charles one, um, brought up, you know, like the hanging out with Avengers. And I think that's, you know, where they can spin off all this other stuff is, I think this movie is somewhat of a tonal reset you know, it might be real cinema, guys. Um, you know, but they're, they're they're changing the tone. They're introducing all these people. They're kind of changing the world. And I think that I've always sort of felt that was kind of the point of it was, 
you're not going to see these guys hanging out with Captain America. You're not going to see them hanging out with uh, War Machine or the new Captain America. Or you know, it's it's a new world, and we're going to do something completely off the wall and different, and so that you're not expecting or missing those people that you've known and loved for the past ten years. Well, and I think the thing that sometimes people like the five of us miss is that these characters are unusual. And I think to Adam's point, like you're not going to risk ticking off like this big fan base that really cares about Eternals because it doesn't exist. But the flip side, right. but the, like we think of it like, whoa, it's really risky to go with an IP that, that is that unknown. But Eternals, I don't think for the average American is more unknown than Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, as as comic people, we're, like we have these like, like we have these gradations of like, oh, that's a you know A list, B list, C list, D list, etc. For most Americans, at least until a decade ago, there was Spider Man, Batman, and Superman, and then the rest of that weird crap. You know, like that was their division, and so. I I think it's a it's an interesting risk because I think somebody like even like a Bob Iger looks at it and when he gets pitched Eternals, it's not that different than when he gets pitched a Miss Marvel show or a Moon Knight show or a She-Hulk show. To him, those are all things that he never heard of until somebody walked into his office with it. How do you think that pitch meeting went? <laughs> the the Miss Marvel, the Eternals pitch meeting. Like, I can imagine he's kind of like, just nodding in agreement now. Like, okay, that sounds nice. Do, do you remember that Feige article where um, he said he had, like, this huge pitch? I just, I, I only remember it because I, I pulled a quote from it today. He said, I had this huge pitch for um, the, the higher-ups for the Disney Plus shows. And I walked in and I talked for, like, 30 seconds. I'm like, yeah, you're good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he has this. Basically, if he comes to him with an idea he thinks is going to work, they're going to just say, well, you're 23 for 23. So, yeah, you know, knock yourself out. Well, Adam, you were investigating some of that with Disney Plus, And we wanted to talk about Disney Plus anyways. I think we can start to transition that. We've been wondering on our podcast, like, how does this work? Like, does someone actually have to greenlight Feige? Or does he just get so many slots that he can do whatever he wants? And you kind of asked about that with the Disney Plus people, Adam, and got a better sense of kind of like how that pitch process goes. Yeah. I mean, there's a pitch process. It's just like any other network, I guess. Um, but like we've all assumed, you know, they're they're essentially going to green light whatever, I guess. I mean, there there's there are content people there. Disney Plus has the Ted Sarandoses and, and what have you. Um it's just so bizarre, right? Because now, now the Hulu content people are fighting for for content with their content cousins, I guess, or content brothers and sisters. Um, but yes, Disney Plus has content people that um, purchase stuff like they would for ABC or or what have you, I guess. But from what Charles says, apparently when Kevin Feige comes in, they go, sure, stamp it. Yep, that's well, fine. Right. I mean, the guy's made, what, $25 billion? Who's going to I mean, there's still the no. aspect of it of how much money they're going to give him to make it and 
how much time they're going to give him. I mean, I'm sure there's something he has to negotiate. We're, we're, we're kind of imagining how how fast Kevin Feige pitches go. Could you imagine how long Jeff Loeb's pitches go? <laughs> well, but he's selling to somebody external. Probably uh. like a week. He has to pitch for a week. Here's what I think we should do. If you think it's cool, nod. If you don't, blink. I think, I think it goes like that. <laughs> so here's this really great story, right? And it involves this guy. And what he has to do is he has to fight a dragon. And he has to rip the heart out of this dragon. So what I was thinking is instead of having a dragon. Just hear me out. I know this sounds crazy. Instead of having a dragon, we'd put up some sweet lights on top of a building. (laughs) And if we can do that, the audience is sold. Adam's PTSD is starting to flare up. (laughs) But so in fairness, I guess we... I mean, we don't know they've told Feige no, right? And we probably never will. Will. Oh, yeah. he Like, if any of us ever get to go sit in a room with him and be like, Kev, tell us about the one time that you pitched a show to Disney Plus and they told you no. You're just hey, getting escorted out of the room. that's a question that he may not have ever heard. Right. Like, what have you pitched? I mean, maybe there's stuff that he pitched early on, like back in the Iron Man 1 and 2 days, like, that they did turn him down. I oh, think, for sure. I think that's a great question. Um, we'll pass that on to the only person we know who ever gets to actually sit in a room with him anymore. <sighs> Fine. I'll call Joe. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, text, I texted him earlier today. <laughs> Wait, so, so do you guys think... Uh, what do you think is the template for these Marvel Disney Plus shows? Like, if Falcon and Winter Soldier becomes a smash hit, do you think we'll see a season two? Do you think, you know what, let's just throw, throw them in a new movie? Uh, what do you guys think in terms of multiple seasons and future uh, stories with these characters? So I was I was talking in sub-threats, sub-threats? <laughs> That's not right. Sub-threads of, uh, of, of the other Charles's Twitter today, and I don't want to see any season twos of anything. Like, I don't have a problem with continuations, but I want it to be different. So if Falcon and Winter Soldier goes really well, then I want to see a Sam Wilson Captain America show. Or I want to see, like, Bucky Barnes' Man on the Wall. I mean, that's not a great title, but, you know, like, like s- some kind of continuation. Uh, like WandaVision. If somehow a WandaVision sequel series was like a House of M show, awesome. You know, like... And I just take it back to the Netflix stuff. If they had taken, if they had done Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and then out of those shows launched Daughters of the Dragon and Heroes for Hire, that would have been so much better instead of trying to force fit it into Iron Fist 2 and Luke Cage 2. And they're always like hinting like, oh, you'll see the Daughters of the Dragon. It's just not the title on the show. Make it the title of the show. And so like, yeah, I don't mind seeing the characters again in a Disney Plus show, but don't make it a season two. Like, just go on and move to the next thing. And I do feel like Marvel is looking at this different than Lucasfilm. Just the way they talk about these shows feels different than The Mandalorian. And so, like, I know it has a season two, but I don't know. I don't want to see it here with Marvel. I want to see him, like, 
give new shows with recurring characters but different titles and different stories, you know. I'm with you 100% when when Agents of Shield ended after season 3, I would have way rather seen instead of it ending and never having another season after that, I would have rather seen them go to Secret Warriors. Yep. Right. Unfortunately, there was never another season of Agents of Shield and we got no Secret Warriors. <laughs> Here we go. For, for our listeners that aren't familiar with Charles, <laughs> Agents of Shield ended after season three. <laughs> there was some good stuff later, man. Eventually, good stuff later, man. Eventually, that's what I hear. Adam, do you want to see sequel seasons or? Mm, I so playing devil's advocate. I mean, we don't know this Disney Plus thing's going to work yet, right? I mean, Charles Charles mentioned something earlier about the second half of WandaVision being one big Marvel movie, but, you know, what happens if they do go week to week? How's... Who knows? Maybe Kevin Feige can't produce a, a TV show where... She, I know... Um, I still have yet to get excited about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know? Uh, but I, I, it's probably going to be great. It's probably going to be amazing. It's probably going to be riveting. It's probably going to be dope as hell. Ah, you know, let's let's see. You know, I hope to God, I pray to God uh, that I just hope we don't have these slow-ass pacing issues where it's just a brutal crawl and it's this oh, pain in the ass and then all of a sudden it, it comes to a screeching halt and you're like, well, shit, I was just picking up, you know? Um, we had three great hours. Right. Um, so, you know, we'll see. That That's the thing. If, if we're thinking about this, they're, they're certainly getting movie budgets, and, and I know it's it's longer than a movie and such, but uh, it's essentially a trilogy for each each character. You know, we're at least getting six hours of content. Other shows, we're getting eight, right? Um, that's more than enough for me. You know, I, I personally don't care to see three scarlet witch movies you know i i probably don't want three falcon movies um three winter soldier movies i could put up with three moon knight movies probably um you know same with miss marvel and she hulk um but you know by the time this series is over wanda's arc's probably gonna be pretty close to completion i would guess um maybe i don't know it's just hard for me to see one of these people get um a disney plus show and then all of a sudden scarlet witch gets a movie trilogy you know like thor or cap or iron man or who else that's it and i think that these people like this this question to me is tying directly into the the, there was just literally one guy today who kept saying really you think that's what's going to happen really yes really bro like i really really think that's what's going to happen like they're gonna put they're gonna put WandaVision on in twenty twenty one. Do I really think that with all the other shows that they wanna do and all the other movies they wanna do, that they're gonna roll back around in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five? Lizzie Olson's got better to do than be I mean, than to be Wanda in a series on on Disney Plus for the rest of her life where she only gets to be that person every four or five years. And she's not going to be 30 years old or I don't even know how old she is forever, right? Like, 
she can only do this every three, four, five years at a time forever before all of a sudden she's 60 years old. And, and this is the deal with comic book characters, right? So, yeah, I don't think these these seasons or these series are meant to necessarily have multiple seasons. I think in certain cases that they could necess- that they could do that. Like a character like Loki, he could have 20 seasons because huh. Loki can live forever, right? That that's the that's that ability that he has as an Asgardian or a, or a frost giant as a god. So, but man, I mean, yeah, some of these things I really feel like they're intended to be limited in in one one shots, like and and they're done and over with. Yeah. So, do you guys think? I mean, with Feige, I mean, this is me going back to my favorite subject ever. That Feige back to television. No, I wasn't. <laughs> so, I mean, the six episode series. Do we think the twelve episode season? The 20 episode season, do we think under Feige we will have that with any property on another network? Or, I mean, because we have heard that Disney Plus will have a certain age level of content. So if there's a more mature content or something or continuation, you know, if that ABC stuff still happens to be in development, do we think Feige will ever have stuff that goes in the longer format? It's so. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna. I'm going to defend Marvel Television as an entity until it's dead. I, I do think you know, with with Feige having creative control. I know Caleb stresses streaming and stuff, but for the life of me, it's hard to believe they won't have one Marvel show on ABC. They just bought Hulu. They've got to have some Marvel content on Hulu of some sort, right? I mean, Kev at one point ordered a Runaways movie, right? Um, he, he's developed all sorts of these projects that, you know, Marvel Studios ordered an Iron Fist script in 2010, right? Just saying. Um, so I, there's Hulu. I, maybe it's the hard R stuff or maybe it's the Blades or maybe it's the, the Draculas or Werewolf by Nights or, um, when they purchase Sony, it's the Morbiuses. It's, I don't know, for the life of me, it's hard for me to, uh, to see them just doing Disney Plus and, and theatrical stuff when they just bought control of Hulu, when they have ABC, FX, FXX, Freeform. But my works, question right? is, I mean, Feige's background is movies. It's short-form storytelling. Even if they do, you know, if they if they reboot Iron Fist and throw it on Hulu, will he be trying to condense it into a six-hour story? Or will we still have these long, drawn-out, deep... 12 15 20 episode stories well, I, I think that i think that 20 episode format i think mostly it's dead other for the fact that you know these networks insist on doing it but at least with with how television is being presented in this modern sort of streaming kind of context I think I think no no executive is gonna be like yeah let's make it twenty five episodes I think for everyone's sanity for the writer's sanity for the budget for I I think eight episodes is like where it's at I don't think they're gonna make any attempt to do anything crazier than that because with eight or six you've got more control with story with budget with yeah, there's a clear ending as opposed to having 
an open-ended, you know, finale with, you know, who knows? This could go for like 20 seasons. It's, I think for any any storyteller, it's always a good thing to have an end in mind. To know where it's gonna end, to know how it's gonna end. So, at least in the current, I guess, landscape, quote-unquote, of the TV serialized storytelling industry, I think they're not gonna do anything drawn out. How many episodes uh, are was Runaways oh, or Cloak and Dagger? Ten. But didn't they go as much as like twelve? Or... Well, season two was twelve. Yeah, season two for Runaways was twelve. Now it's back to ten, and Defenders was eight. So, so yeah, so like, let's. I mean, eight to twelve isn't isn't crazy, um, and it just cuts the dead space out. And you, oh, this is a. Hard, I shouldn't even say this out loud. I teach high school. And the ability of my kids to pay attention has been reduced greatly over time, right? They need more and more. They need immediate gratification. And let's be like realistic about this more and more who, who are watching these shows, right? It's, it's younger kids, but then these younger kids grow too. So like in those times, if you're watching, if you're watching a Netflix series, that's, that's too, too long. What are these kids doing? As soon as it gets boring, they're pulling their phones out of their pockets, right? They're yeah. texting, they're Snapchat, and they're on Facebook, and then they might miss something that's happening. So you got to keep these things moving. Like these kids cannot pay attention the way that, and it's not necessarily their fault. There's just other stuff they can be doing. So if boring real quick, they've got other options. So what's the best way to keep their attention? Like you got to keep stuff moving on screen. You got to keep them, you got to keep them gripped and held. And 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 I don't know that doing a 22 episode season is always necessarily going to do that. Yeah, and I mean, our listeners have heard me say this already. I think the question of, well, what about ABC and what about Freeform? Nobody cares because they're going to be dead in 10 years. Like, Freeform is not going to exist. ABC might still be around, but all it's going to be is crappy game shows and The Bachelor and Dancing with the Stars and reality TV. Because you can produce that garbage cheap and quick and easy... And they'll do that, and any good content will be on stream. Like, I just have no hope in the future of network television. And I think when it comes to longer-form storytelling, the real important question is, like, is there value to longer-form storytelling? Because, I mean, particularly when we're talking about 20, 22 episodes, the only reason anybody ever did that was not because they thought it was good. Like, listen to Seinfeld talk about when they used to do 25 episodes a season of Seinfeld. He'll tell you that they knew five or six of the shows were not going to be good, but it was like they just had to fill airtime. Like, networks had to find something to put on the airwaves so that there was something going out. And the streaming world just doesn't require that. So you tell the story you want to tell. And I don't think anybody wants to tell. I mean... Even Netflix was telling Loeb, we don't want a 13-hour story. We want a 10-hour story. You know, like, I just, I, I don't, I, I'm i just a pessimist on that. I think increasingly, as Charles says, we're going to go to shorter and shorter formats. And it may not be a great thing, but, you know, there's a reason why people listen to singles and they don't buy albums anymore. And I think it's going to be the same thing with TV shows. We're just going to get shorter and shorter formatting. Now everything's going to be an anthology come, come 2023. But what's the difference? So what's the difference between having, you know, a six-episode series of four different characters uh, that, that are intertwined in a connected universe? 
you know, so let's say if Miss Marvel and Hawkeye and uh, whatever, Moon Knight or whatever, are all connected. What's the difference between calling those, you know, New Avengers or Young Avengers or something? Not Moon Knight, but anyways, you guys what I'm getting at. Calling them something. If they had just called it, like, Defenders and had a six-episode Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Daredevil... I mean, I don't get the difference between the two if we're going to have a big connected universe than having a whole bunch. But to me, as being the closest to being like an outsider of all of this, I would be like, oh, I know that universe. I want to see it. You know, I, I want to see. I mean, yes, Marvel has their brand for these short series. But to me, I see the value in the long format. I mean, we're telling long format stories anyways. We're just giving them little chunks and they're all brand new brands they have to sell. And I feel like they could do four seasons of a 12-episode season if they have a good ensemble going. I I can only answer half that, I think. Yeah. Um, I, don't th- I don't, in my own head, and this is just an opinion, I don't perceive their intention to be to make four twelve. No, no, yeah, I wasn't insinuating that. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, so I'm just like, here's, here's what I'm thinking. I think that Moon Knight series is intended to introduce him to general audiences, so that they can then put him into the movies, and so you know more people will have seen them. So, like, we'll, we'll maybe get um, Stature or Stinger or whatever they call her, and we'll get Kate, and we'll get Wiccan, and we'll get. Um, Hulkling and maybe we get speed and I think that we see them introduced here on these things and then I think their stories carry over into the movies instead of continuing into multiple seasons of their shows um, so like when you talk about like say, say like that Defenders model I don't I think if we if we follow that kind of idea like we get our Daredevil show on Disney Plus we get our, and I'm not oh my gosh I gotta be careful I'm not yeah, suggesting yeah, that yeah. we're, we're rebooting all these examples. shows So I think we get like our Daredevil on uh, on Disney Plus. We get our our Luke Cage on Disney Plus. We get our Jessica Jones. We get our Iron Fist on Disney Plus. So that later on we can have a a big blowout two hour two hour and a half movie on the big screen. It's kind of how I that's what I've perceived. Right? From no, what I've we read know what Disney Plus is. What Disney I'm saying Plus. is there are still people. That like to get into a universe. And this is where, like, I don't I, I don't look forward to these shows. I am looking forward to very little on Disney+. Plus. We've talked about it a lot. Because it's, oh, here's a character in a world. I, I don't know if I like it. I don't know. It's something new. Maybe I'll like it. You know, maybe I should read some comics. You know, they're all new properties. They're all new worlds. A TV show... I can get into it. And I'm like, okay, here's the world. Okay, they're adding some more new characters. Okay. And you get to know that world and you're in it. Like the long format television, the the 12-episode seasons. You you get in there and there's the familiarity that's over and over. So there's that market that I think like is still out there. And... I don't see the difference in the storytelling. What I'm what I meant was I don't see the difference in storytelling if you call it, you know, whatever, Marvel Television World and make it a TV show 
you could have six episodes about one character, six episodes about another. You're calling it this show. You could still have, I mean, they did it well in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. eventually, where they had six episode pods. It was like, it contains story, six episodes, boom, done. Six episodes, boom, done. I feel like there could still be the long form storytelling in that, but it's an area that Kevin doesn't have experience in. Yeah, so maybe that's yeah. what they do with Hulu. I think the two things that come to my mind is, while I hear what you're saying, Rhiannon, at least on the comic side, they are convinced that's not what people want. Because instead of issues 1 through 40 of Daredevil, we get four different series of Daredevils with four different number ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, on the comic side, they're constantly rebooting series with new but number still ones. Going, but they're still going... They I mean, they're like, still going to 12s. I mean, they're still doing 12 to 20. I mean... Yeah, and... It, it may be a little different, but what I'm saying is the fact that they're constantly rebooting these comic series with new number ones are because they're worried about people who feel like they can't jump onto something that's too long. And along that same line, I don't know about you guys, when my wife and I pick a new show to watch, the first thing we check is what's the episode count. And oh, yeah. Like, and if it's like, oh, there's only 10 episodes of this, oh, let's jump on that. If we see something has 40 episodes or 150 episodes, we're not going to start it. We're like, ugh, no, that's too much. I don't want that much. Like, we automatically limit shows that have too many episodes on their episode count. That's so interesting, because I'm, like, at this point where I'm like, God, can I find a show that goes past two seasons? Yeah, no. For us, man, maybe this is, like, a millennial extra thing. Oh, man. my like, God! As soon as I see that... Even, like, uh, we've been watching Shit's Creek. When we saw it, we're like, ugh, there's, like, 40 episodes of that. Do we really want to make that kind of a commitment to something? Yeah, but they're half-hour or 20-minute ones. Right, they're, right, right, yeah. That's the, uh, that's why Netflix cancels everything, man. They say people aren't interested in them more than, more than two seasons. <laughs> and it's why Rhiannon hates it's, Netflix. That's Caleb's, it's, it's Caleb's fault. Um, bringing on comics, right? If I understand it right, Ike still has control over the money, doesn't he? Like he can pull comics if they're not performing well enough. Yes, he's he's still in charge of operations, marketing, sales, and all that boring stuff. Cav plots out this huge grand arc, and Ike says, "Ah, nope, this ain't selling." Well, uh, we got to do something with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how hands-on Kevin becomes with, with with comics. And me and Charles had this conversation about... I mean, you guys posted about it on Twitter. Caleb posted about it. Do you think you foresee Kevin Feige not being as hands-on as we imagine he'd be? Like, I remember Caleb posting about... Um, I think for the most part, Kevin's going to let comics be uh, be its own thing. Mm-hmm. Do their own crazy ideas for the MCU to draw on. Get more inventive. If anything, I think I think we're all in agreement that event comics are kind of... It kind of gets dragging at some point. Um, I think those are what, you know... Those those are what become the, the big question mark in sales. I, I mean, Adam probably knows more about comic sales than I do, but I'd like to think that at some point, these events aren't as 
blockbusters are as they used to be in comics. And so I think Kevin's gonna let Marvel Comics be its own thing and not let you know he's not he's not gonna do anything crazy that Ike's gonna shoot down. Right. So the only thing you need to know for comic sales is if the first issue doesn't sell like five million comics, it'll be canceled after like six issues. So pretty much out but no I I mean but no I, I, I love mean, what Star Wars does. We always go back to Star Wars, right? We always go back to Star Wars whenever we talk about animation and stuff. But Star Wars comics has canon bring it back the main and they're bringing back Star Wars issue. Now I mean I wouldn't be surprised I mean I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a very, very minute character. There's a very, very minute character I if they do like Colson can I mean if they do like Colson comic that's super inconsequential super inconsequential else, right? Maybe everything else, right? Maybe it just fills in what happened Thor between and the Avengers Thor and the Avengers um, or whatever. Um, so then they're Dr. Afra of the Star right. Wars. See, I don't think Feige will do it. I think they want to keep the con- like the continuity canon small. Because I think Star Wars is already... They already have had to purge the old Legends universe and they had all that issue with that. And now they're continuing every month to build more and more and more canon onto this universe. I think it's a mistake because it weighs you down and you can't have a cohesive universe. So I don't think Marvel wants to be doing that. I don't know, but we're seeing that with Disney Plus already, man. How many people are actually going to subscribe to Disney Plus? And, like, who's going to watch the Moon Knight show on Disney Plus, you know, in its entirety before he pops up in a movie? Is actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf going to be Moon Knight? Because then, if so, I'm watching. Right, you know that's what that's what Shia LaBeouf's a cannibal. cannibal? Is that what I just heard? Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. It's on a video. He made that video. You've never seen that video. It's it's super popular. This is what happens when we let the Charleses onto the podcast. Ew. The only I have to say only one thing about this comic thing. Like I want I want Marvel Comics to say Marvel Comics, and I want Marvel Cinematic Universe to stay out of it, and I don't ever want them to intertwine. Um, Adam, Adam and I had this conversation just a little bit earlier today or yesterday, maybe, um, about the new Yondu series. And like, I absolutely abhor the fact that Yon, that Hillbilly Yondu exists and that they wrote a comic series where Hillbilly Yondu exists. And Adam kind of straightened me out a little bit on it because I'm not reading it because I was pissed off about it. So yeah, I I just, I didn't even buy one, but like, man, I don't want that to happen. Like I, I love the canon that exists and i don't want these two things like when when star lord from the movies was written into star lord in the comics i'm so happy that donny cates was like screw all that i'm going back to what these guys really were like i was really happy about that i don't want these two to to intersect or intertwine i want them to be their own thing well i mean going back to disney plus and it, and it being sort of you know sort of like the comics are building off adam mentioned that it's sort of like the star wars comics canon it's basically the canon being expanded and expanded each year. The good news is this, the service is launching next week, and we'll probably see the first sort of fruits of what Disney Plus can really be when The Mandalorian hits. And it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, if we're going to hear about the ratings a bit or how many people subscribe for it. Or if you know how many people will the show reach? Because we up until this point we don't have Disney Plus in the Philippines, so I don't know if, if 
we will have Disney Plus in time when Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes up. But I hope we have it. So, you know, there's a lot of question with Disney Plus and how how big it can really get. And at this point, it's it's still it, it remains to be seen. So, Charles, you want me to record on my phone for you every episode of The Mandalorian that I watch until it comes out on in the Philippines? With, with like, yeah, with, like, commentary and what? what <laughs> with kind of, like, what popcorn you're eating and everything. The whole shebang. You think, you think he's Boba Fett? What's, is Carl what's, Weathers Boba Fett? Yeah, is Carl Weathers Boba No, it's The Mandalorian. It's Pedro Pascal Boba Fett. I don't no. know. Why not? I don't know, I don't know but Carl Weathers has two arms in this, so it can't be related to the Predator universe. Damn it. Because Boba Fett is a Polynesian man. He is. I've seen him in Aquaman. He's yeah, the, he's the Maori yeah. guy. Yes. So, so Aquaman's father is the Mandalorian confirmed, and Carl Weathers and the Aquaman's father are related. You, you, know many, hot Reddit, you know how many, yeah, Reddit threads just popped up with the past sentence? Boom, it's You gone. know how many articles Adam's going to get to write on comic Send people to our podcast, Adam, that. not theirs. No, 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 no. scoops. Do not speak that into his existence, please. Remember, you oh. guys... I carved a pumpkin and it created a Reddit thread. Absolutely, yes, sir. I I unsubscribed for Marvel Studios spoilers as soon as I saw that. Said I can't take. And my pumpkin sucked, but it was not even a decent representation well, of what I, I wanted. I missed all of this because I don't read it. What was oh, it? What, but I missed all of this because I don't read it. What oh. was it? So I carved a Galactus pumpkin. Set it on my Twitter, like my jack o' lantern on my Twitter. And then, what was it, five or ten minutes later, a red thread popped up, like, Charles Murphy confirms Galactus and Fantastic Four. Like, oh, my God. Unbelievable <laughs> Charles, timing. you, like, I mean, that's the downside I feel of like you could such a reliable scooper. a child playing softball, and people would be like, oh, my gosh, Young Avengers softball side story. Yeah, if I if I did if I did kids playing baseball, I'd be like Charles confirms Claremont's X Men twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy, and and I don't know. I just really thought my pumpkin was only half as cool as I wanted it to be, but I was put it on my Twitter because it was Halloween, and that was yeah. why. Okay. On our pod, Rhiannon regularly tries to start rumors by saying, "I heard someone. I heard from someone," and by that, she just means she made it up. And uh, the problem is, no one cares about us enough that Nobody anyone actually about picks the that fake stuff up. Rumors I start. What was that? No, no, but I, just, I think I seriously think I started the Daredevil on FX rumor that pops up every now and then. I hope so. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think that was me. Yeah, because every time we talk about Daredevil, she goes, well, you know, when they put it on FX, like, she just says it matter-of-factly. <laughs> All right, the other question we had on here, um, do you guys want to go down memory lane a little bit? For MCU Exchange fans, we were all there together, I don't know, three, four years ago at this point. Uh, you guys have any favorite moments from our MCU Exchange days? Anything that happens on our Slack account, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's more than I think. More than anything, that's what I miss. I miss the the antics on Slack, 
the uh, Charles does something stupid, everyone rags on it, and it's just <laughs> back in the day. It was like it was like a highlight of of my day, like just us joshing on each other and having fun. No, I yeah, that was mine, Charles. Thanks for stealing it. Uh, no, but that's that. I'll come up with something else when it's actually my turn. But I agree, hundred percent. Like that—that's the fondest memory I have of all of that. Is the fact that we had like a very, very close relationship for a bunch of people who never met each other. Um, everything was fun. Everything was loose, and we did killer work, right? Like we did a great job over there. And Nicole's yeah. missing tonight, um, but I really feel like when Nicole took over um the like the operation and and we all respected nicole and and like hung out and and did all what we needed to do but man we were killing it over there for a while and that that for me for sure like that that's my that's the thing i remember the most is how much fun we had um like charles and i would just to have the stupid simon kinberg comments right like this is what simon kinberg must have been thinking so yeah i charles that's for sure for me one of the best parts of my memories of, of being there is how, how well we all got along and just that very easy going atmosphere that we had. Yeah. There. Well, and it might be a little mean, but if people don't know, like all the writers over there, at least at the time we were all there were, you know, volunteers and some of the volunteers would be of different varying quality as far as their ability to write or how gullible they were. So I always, oh. used, so I always used to like it when we'd get a newbie and the two Charleses would just start making up ridiculous rumors of things that they heard were going to happen. And we had a few guys, I won't name any names to protect identities, but we had a few guys that would just eat it up. And so there were so many times when Charles was like, Oh, I heard on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we just make up something really stupid. And half of us were smart enough to go, yeah, that's not real. And we just egg it on. And then there'd be a couple of guys that would just be like, whoa, are you serious? And uh, I always had fun with that. Maybe I'm a bad person, but. <laughs> yeah, when um, we think of you, Caleb, we always think of you as a bad person. That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> I just gotta say, I mean, I don't mind name dropping him, Matthew, if you're out there. <laughs> if you're listening to podcasts. Oh, man. I totally <laughs> forgot until right now. Two for that LMD crossover. It's happening, dude. It's, it's happening. I also think we need to say on this note, there are a lot of people that we worked with. I also think we need to say on this note, there are a lot of people that we worked with there that we didn't invite to be on this podcast because we can just only have so many people on this podcast. And we liked many of them. There were cool folks that we didn't. We liked many of them. There was one guy, and I don't even. I was blocked his name from memory. I think I blocked his name from memory. After Luke Cage came out, six hours after the show hit, he just DM'd me and he was like, Hey man, can you believe Cottonmouth died? <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I haven't watched it, so no, I can't believe that." And he was like, "Oh crap, man! I figured you'd seen it." And I was like, "Why? I have a job and children. Like, I don't have time to watch the whole show." And he was like, "Oh, I feel so bad." And then he was like, "Could I like send you a pop or something?" And I'm like, "No, I don't want a Funko Pop. <laughs> that doesn't somehow make this better." <laughs> Oh, I thought he meant like a soda. I like what would a soda do? I remember his name. I remember their name. I I don't remember that guy's name, the one who spoiled with with the with the countless people who've who've gone through the site. I I can't remember. 
I only remember Matthew. Uh, probably best not to throw out a bunch Leanne, of names. Any thoughts on this? Huh? I mean, I, I, I mean, the behind the scenes, like beyond just like the joking in the community that we had, I was always, I mean, it was like my first and kind of only a, a venture into that world. Um, the way we would piece pieces together. I mean, the stuff that we were doing to come up with these scoops. I mean, when we talk about why they're hiding casting information now and why they're getting so secretive. I feel like it's because of some of the stuff that we were doing then. Yeah, I mean, because that turned into what you're doing now, that turned into, you know, people followed that lead. Um, But it was just so cool to just be scouring and then you finally find that piece of information. And it would come from the weirdest place. And then it would just start all coming together. And it was good. Great. We had a great mix of people who knew different parts of different things. And, and it, I guess what's great about that, too, is none of us were had an ego enough where we were afraid to sound dumb in front of other people. Right. Like we were right. so eager to throw our ideas out there. Right. And say so like, oh, I think that's what this is. And we didn't care. Like we knew we weren't going to get judged or made fun of or whatever. Like we get made fun of, but it was in good in good nature. Like but all that paid off so many times, you know. I, I agree. That's that was a great part of that. Like we were, we all for a group of people who never met each other, we got each other. I think, and I think that was that was a really cool thing. Remind me, what was your big scoop that you first came up with? You My had a big Daredevil thing on you the found site out, was you? that Vincent D'Onofrio was in season two. Yeah, yeah. I remember Yannon yeah, posting. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I had thrown it up on Tumblr. Right? When I saw him. So, like, I mean, when I was, when I took the pictures, I was like, they'll never keep this a secret. So I threw it up on Tumblr, like, that evening. And, you know, it got, like, 81, like, shares or something. You know, like, no, it, it, it did nothing. And, like, so, you know, like, I just met you guys and I'm in the Slack and I'm like, well, you guys know D'Onofrio, like, you guys saw this, right? And I shared it and you guys were like, oh, my God. <laughs> I I remember that and when you did that i instantly shared it on my myspace too that was uh they had this like generic video that they show us and they're like and don't be posting stuff on social media like your facebook myspace or twitter and i was like oh they're not ironically either they're just they're anyways yeah well you know Oh uh, man, you know MCU walked so like MCU Cosmic and Geeks Worldwide and H and Entertainment and RPK could run, right? That was kind of right. That was <laughs> kind of. I like that. Well, I mean, it set the pace. I mean, back back then, I'm saying way back then, but that's that has been three years ago, right? Three or four years ago, that's been insane. But there wasn't any. There wasn't these sites, and now all these sites have popped up, and they're scooping. You know, there were plenty of times where someone like Charles or Nicole or Rhiannon would would uncover like a casting video or something, right, and, and set the stage or or uncover something. Or, or Charles also 
um, scoops, LLCs, and things like that, which then another site tries doing and totally pull something out of their ass like Deadpool 3. Um, <laughs> so it, it was ahead of its time. And I should probably be thankful since it ultimately did um, catapult me into a career. Um, so for that, I, I should be probably thankful. Um, but yeah, man, it's it, it's a nifty little site. You guys should like it. Like you've been there, Adam, like over, just a little bit over a year at your new place, right? Yeah, full time. I've been uh, there um, since January 2017 total. And you've been killing it. You get all you get so many big interviews and get to hang out and and deal with like some some stuff that I'm I'm yeah. jealous of the stuff you get to do. I think that's awesome. That is the most. Um... Intimidated I've ever been in an interview. Really? He is a very inter- or, uh, intimidating human being. It was just... Um, it, was bar- it wasn't bad by any means. I've only had one really bad interview. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he's good, man. I don't know. Emmy Equicor. I mean, he was, uh, he was a pretty heavy hitter that we had, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, crap, he would... We should we should call him. He'll he'd hop on in a moment. I know damn well he would. Ooh, it was also was, in theaters. He was gorgoning in humans. I was just I was just interjecting. Did yeah, because Caleb told me I should or no. something. Yes, I don't know. They talked me into it. I was deployed. I was like walking yeah, up like near the Canada border, like the New York Canada border, like two hours away from any IMAX theater. So I was like, oh damn, can't see it. And I actually like at the last minute had to go into Albany to interview for the job I have now, which turned out to be pretty awesome. And after my interview, I went to see Inhumans and IMAX because I figured I was meant to, you know, like I had a last minute thing that took me near an IMAX theater. I should go see it. And that was bad. Were you uh, up I can in either Canada? You were up near Canada? You were building a wall. building a wall? I, I, I can... Can keep the Canadians away? Like a thick maple syrup, <laughs> Canada comes. Anybody ever seen Canadian bacon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta keep them away. Eh? You gotta get them out of here. Yeah. When I look back at MCU Exchange, I'm always amazed at, uh, like, how far the sp- like our reach would get. The one that always hits me is I was never like a scooper. I have no connections with anyone. But I was reading an article in ESPN.com with uh, Sterling K. Brown. I don't know if you guys remember this. And they asked him about Black Panther. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's so cool to get to work with Angela Bassett and Michael uh, B. Jordan and Felicia Rashad. And we were all like, record scratch? Wait, wait a minute. Felicia Rashad's in this movie? Like, and so... You know, like we, br- I brought it to you guys. It's like I read this. Is this right? And we just kind of ran with it because it was in a published thing. And he said she was in the movie, and we put it out. And then, like a day later, ESPN edited the article and put an ellipses where Felisa Rashad's name had been. And I remember thinking, I just got ESPN.com to change a like article. Like, how is that possible? Like, there should I should not have this much influence on the world. And it made me realize, like, just how quick things will spread. And, like, I don't know. It made me feel like a real journalist. Like, when we get those press passes and all that kind of stuff, you know? I I would say 
I don't. I wanted to say my most memorable, and I'll let you guys judge. Everybody that listens, judge. My most memorable moment was when we worked for about a week to sort out how we were going to report what we knew about Captain Marvel. Um, we knew it was a period piece. We knew Marvel was going to be there. We knew that there. Do you remember even like we said there's going to be some reference to like the old Marvel costume, which we didn't know what it meant because it was like out of context. But then we saw like in the movie she like changed on her little arm pad there, like changed her costumes, and then she actually yeah. had like the Marvel costume. So we worked and worked and worked, and actually some of the information we got was off because do you guys remember that we heard it was going to be instead of just a period piece, we heard it was going to be like it's set in the '60s, but we decided we didn't want to like report on that, so we just said it's going to be a period piece. Charles, you know. Yeah that whole thing because we weren't sure like that sounds so weird so we knew it wasn't going to be set in present time so we wrote we worked so hard on like what we we're going to say i can remember sending it out to charles like multiple times for edits and saying like what do you want to do and getting sent back and forth and then i went on my honeymoon right i got married like right before we did that and i went on my honeymoon and then charles was like we're running it today and we ran it and then the site went down and it stayed down for like 24 hours. Oh, no, it was down that. longer than that. That was like possibly the biggest story we ever ran. And the site was just down. I remember yeah. that for like yeah. for like a day and a half. Yeah. I'm just pissed on my honeymoon. Like Rianne said, one of the best, truly best parts of working together was the piecing together, figuring out what should be published, what should be retracted, what should be what should be put out. And in a way, our experiences doing that sort of helped us, you know. Like, I've always told Charles that um, a good scooper knows what to run and what not to run. And we've, we've sort of learned how to withhold stuff, stuff that should, should be withheld. Like, when we got all, those, all that information about Infinity War, about, about uh, we, we've heard some stuff from Endgame, that early, I think we got we got the information twenty seventeen or something. We got yeah. so much stuff, so much heavy spoilers, and that's where I learned what what stuff not to run, which I think you know it's it's still present in what we do in the podcast. And when when every every time Charles gives me a scoop, we sort of hash out what should be shared, what should be kept a secret, and yeah, it, it was definitely it helped shape what, what we do now. Yeah, and it was always funny, I mean, not to get too chippy, but like when people would complain about, I remember one of the headlines I'll always remember was uh, Ghost Rider was coming back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so we just ran the headline of like Ghost Riders returning to AOS. And people were like, you guys are spoiling it, you're ruining everything. And it's like, if you knew the stuff that was in our back pocket that we don't run, and then you're going to like be all on our case about this, like, Buzz off, man. Like, that was always so frustrating. Do you guys remember how many of you were, I don't know how many of you were involved in the conversation, but when we scooped uh, Doctor Strange yeah, and, and he Derek promised to, asked like, us to sit on make it. up for it. I don't have my hat yet. I don't have it. I asked for a hat. I asked him I want a Doctor Strange crew hat, and I don't have it. Like, he didn't even offer, like, a quick interview or anything. What did you, what'd you sit on? All the whole yeah. thing about Tysilius. And that wasn't I mean, yeah. that wasn't a scoop. You had figured oh. that out. I mean, that wasn't like something somebody told you, was it? No, it was we got like a little bit of info 
and we pieced it together and and we sent it to him and then and, and like so it was good old like four one nine sent it to him, Charles, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so four one nine sent it to him and I like four one nine messaged me is like, Hey, here's what I figured out and I said, Hold here's what you actually figured out, send it back to him. He sent it to Derrickson and Derrickson was like, Man, I'd really appreciate it if you don't Charles probably still has access to the DMs on Twitter and Derrickson's it's, like yeah. I'd really appreciate if you don't send that out because you just basically spoiled the whole story. And, and we so were like, we, we should eat it. But yeah, I think in retrospect we should have run that. <laughs> because we, didn't, we we don't have our our hats or caps. We we didn't <laughs> no, should have a hat. Yeah, we should have a hat. Man, come on. You just send him back a uh, send him back a gif of Mordo saying the bill comes due. <laughs> the bill always comes due. <laughs> That's great. Brings me back to a crazy joke, joke on our podcast. That we'll do almost anything we'll do for five dollars. So $5. you know, like so, crew you know, hat, like five crew bucks, hat, five bucks, whatever. We're easily bought. <laughs> We're easily bought. Right. I'll take a sweaty hat at this point. I just want it. <laughs> All right, guys, this was fun. I'm for one getting a little tired, but um, anything else we want to talk about before we wrap it up? Yeah, you don't have any major scoops to drop on us here at the end. I ran out. I, yeah. Three, oh, no. I ran According out. to the Twitter, you're just holding out. You know all kinds of things and you're not telling you us. Just, you just tell I, us one well, Iron Fist thing and we'll be done. Well, I, I, do know that, I do know that I read that Mikey Sutton already knows what the plot of Shang-Chi 2 is. So I, I mean, oh, oh Mikey. Sure. We're going there. We're going there. Mikey also told the whole world I was fully. I like, when I told I like man, how that very much went to like so. knowledge. I like how that very much went to like Now there's just articles that are like. Yeah, no, it, and every like I, I mean, I, I'm fine with it, but every every article I read about when THR reported it was just like suddenly Ant Man three has been confirmed with no recognition of the fact that Charles and I broke it on our podcast but that's fine that's i know the... no no i i know one site where we specifically one did one site um, did i know one site specifically mentioned it several um, thousand other unprofessional sites right. able to give credit where credit was due and just to be clear i think you have said this the finger guns thing is hawkeye right not deadpool man so i don't so in, in that case i don't have I don't have a, another person coming to me and saying, you're correct on that. But I have read right. every issue that Kate Bishop has ever been in. And then the most recent Kate Bishop thing, the finger guns thing was prominent. That was like, it was not, I, I posted that right. picture and it has been in multiple issues where she talked about finger guns and made the whole pew pew thing. So yeah, yeah like my biggest inclination is that Hawkeye is finger guns. Um, I wasn't super, a lot of the sites, and I don't. I don't know. I feel. I feel like I'm going to sound like a jerk when I say this, but a lot of the sites, when caught up, right? They've they've now said like, oh my gosh, Marvel Files LLCs. We've literally talked about this for four or five years now, right? Like we've we've known this. Right. You've got these sites doing this, and they're like, holy, figured out this cool thing. We need to share all of this with the world, and they're making like a lot of jumps that aren't right. And I'm not going to say that every jump I've ever made is right. I might have been screwed up recently, for all I know, but. Yeah, I think Finger Guns is Hawkeye because of that little reference. I know other places think it's Deadpool. And that's not to say that Deadpool isn't coming. I mean, I think we all know Deadpool's coming. Like Reynolds went to Marvel Studios. Reynolds teased it. He said as much. But 
well, I mean, we'll see when production starts. I can remember specifically uh, filming being done on Captain Marvel and a bunch of sites telling me that that wasn't what filming was for, right? And we went and did some more investigation on MCU Exchange and we proved that that's what filming was for. That was my favorite, like, and I'm not trying to belittle it. That was my favorite, like, ridiculous scoop that was like, people were fighting so hard of like, no, that's not that. And then finally you like figured out, you're like, no, it's a tax credit thing. And it's like accounting. And it's like, like it was the most boring thing in the world. Once you finally sussed it all out because it was all like stupid accountant crap. But like the fact that you had to do it so that people would shut up was very frustrating. (laughs) So that's investigative stuff that not everybody wants to do. And I found that out a long, long time ago. So somebody asked me this the other day, like, how did you get your start? And I said, man, I just wrote my own little site for a while. And they said, like, how did anyone ever find you and pick you up at a different site? There was the the first casting call for Ant-Man came out and it was widely circulated and no, but it didn't say Ant-Man on it. And it didn't even say, I don't even know if it said Marvel or Marvel Studios, but it had Sarah Finn's name on the casting call thing as the casting director. And in that thing, they had a role for like an eight year old girl. And I read it and read it and read it. And I was like, holy, they're casting Cassie Lang. And so I ran that on my own little site. And I got, and I just retweeted it on Twitter. And I only had like seven followers on Twitter. And then all of a sudden, over the next like two or three weeks, people people kind of started picking up on it, picking up on it. And then it was it was like, uh, it was Cassie. And then they said like a guy to play a Russian, which ended up being like Dave Dalmashian's character. And it was T.I.'s character. It was those, it was Luis's character. Um and that that was that first thing I had where I did some digging and did some thinking and, and kind of like tried to piece things together. And I think that was what actually got Chris's attention at MCU Exchange, the guy who originally owned it, um, when he first contacted me and asked me to start coming and writing there. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I, well, mean, and we... I, don't know, I don't even know how you guys joined the fold. I mean, I, I recently saw Adam's message to the MCU Exchange page. For like four years ago, I, I saw. That's how inquire. I joined. Yeah, the, I, I saw the message recently, but I don't remember how Caleb joined. Uh, Nicole put up a like. Uh, I read MCU Exchange every day, and Nicole put up an article like, "We need writers," and it sounded like a fun hobby. Because I I know Rian- Nicole brought in Rhiannon. Yeah, I was I was unemployed and bored and like wanted to do writing, but didn't really like have a resume for it. So like I was like, here's a press release I wrote once. Well, and we've we've said this many times when we're like, I don't know, when we do our nasal navel gazing podcasts, you know, where we talk about us. Like, if you listen to this and you enjoy this stuff, like you can do this. Oh, absolutely. We were all. We're all just like, still today, except for Adam, like, we're all just working regular old jobs and we just do this for fun. But we've had awesome opportunities. You know, I've gotten to do interviews and never thought I would have been able to do. And, you know, press passes to Comic Cons and like uh, getting like um, uh, preview uh, TV shows before they come out, you know, like getting to see like advanced copies. Like, that's all stuff that I've gotten to do, in part because Adam and Rhiannon are incredible, and I ride on their coattails on that stuff. But, like, <laughs> I mean, like, we we all just kind of 
did it. And like to this day, the three of us that do Marvel News Desk, we do it because we like talking to each other and we like having fun together. And like, I don't know, like nobody ever gave us permission to do it or anything. We just kind of have made it happen and whatever we've built, we built because we just put the work in. So if you like this stuff, there's avenues and you know, Adam's great example. Like it's a career for him now and he built that on his own. So I'm sure Charles could still use volunteer writers over over at MC exchange. Sure. For sure. I've, I've actually considered here like in the past couple of weeks, I get so itchy after I watch a movie um, to write the, like, what I expect out of the sequel, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, he's done those pieces. I love those pieces. And I've been thinking about, like, man, what happens when Black Widow comes out? What happens when Eternals comes out? It's now. And I'm going to be like, dude, I'm, I'm going to go back and start writing some of my bullshit ideas at MCU Exchange again just to, just to throw them out there. I mean, you can put them on Marvel News Dust, too. We're, we're fine to host your ideas. I'll, I'll, I'll write, write them and email them to you guys and you can do whatever you want with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it might, it might give us a whole four cents a month on ad revenue instead of two. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't checked, speaking of which, I haven't checked that account in so long. We could be millionaires by We now. could be the best website <gasps> in the world. I haven't, so, yeah. I haven't looked at how many people have listened to our podcast since like March, so we, we may be at oh, the very end or we may be You know how much we've no made? I don't know. I thought I deleted it because we haven't made anything. But we're there. Lifetime, $2.53. Woo, $2.53. That's what we've made through ads on marvelnewsdesk.com. Yeah, so kids, do this because you enjoy it, not because you're going to get rich. Not for the money, yep. I've made more... The the monetary aspect of this has been Comic-Con passes. Right. (laughs) Well, and you also sell free stuff that you get from the cons. Okay, so I made like another couple hundred from that. And my my two things I get out of is, is that Rhiannon always gets me sweet pins at Comic Con. I do. And, and despite the fact that I've never met Charles, Charles is probably one of my best friends. Like we literally communicate every single day, right? Like I don't have other than my wife and my kids and my dad. There's nobody else in my life that I talk to as much as I talk to Charles. And so, yeah. aww. I mean, it's true. It's a true. He knows. We talk about it all the time. Like. That's a true story. Like, Charles is probably one of my best friends, despite the fact that we've never met each other. That's a shameless plug for those of you out there who listen to us to help us meet each other, perhaps <laughs> San Diego in 2020. Do you want to be on my ticket buying list, or are you guys going to try to get press passes? Um, well, I, I don't know. We have to get we have to do a little bit more work to establish ourselves as an outlet so we can get press passes, I think. The um the the open registration sale is in ten days, and I would be happy to help you guys get tickets because I'm not going next year. That would be awesome. Well, what? I think we'd appreciate. I I it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Oh, okay. I I'm not going to go to San Diego and do just a couple days. I go and I do all five days, and it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. And I work we in an industry like... where I need to go into hurricane season like rested, and because of comic-con's timing i go into hurricane season absolutely exhausted like if there had been a hurricane this year i'd have been screwed been hurting yeah well, well and we, and always we always are like, like, hey, Rihanna, like, like even, even if you just, just pop, pop on, on for a few, few minutes, minutes like, like give, give us live, live from san diego, san diego. And, and it's always at the end of it i'm like she, she doesn't, doesn't want to do this, this. she's, she's always like, like if i have to she's got like the con crud and all that kind of stuff like 
Well, that's what, I mean, this past year, I was just like, I'm going as a fan. I'm not trying to cover anything. San Diego and New York. It was just really nice not to be trying to cover anything. Um, Yeah, but I'm declaring. I mean, I'm saying all this. There's a couple caveats where I would go to San Diego. Um, Charlie Cox is going to be there. Well, yeah, like, if, if they're announcing Daredevil Season 4 for some reason, like, I'll find a way to go. If my buddy that's a writer on the shows, like, I've always joked with her, or not joked, like, I've told her if she has a show that's, like, if she is a showrunner and has a show at Comic-Con, I will go and be her entourage. So. You should start working on a spec script, just in case she does become a showrunner. Why don't you just join the writer's room? Yeah, yeah. Well, one, I don't know if... I don't know if she could afford me right now. Gotcha. I don't know. All right. Okay. Big shot over at, here. Look at Miss Moneybags over here. <laughs> Two. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I've worked on, I've written, I've written pilots before and stuff, but yeah, I don't know. You're Just also, right yeah. you're also in two Marvel shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's right, written me into shows, point. but, but not as much as this. I don't know who, who on Bless the Hearts turned my name into a verb, but that was awesome. You do bring up a good point. For as much as we rail against um, some of the content, sometimes I talked with an entry-level writer um, the other day who happens to make less than me, which is very, very modestly the way it is in Northwest Iowa. Um, so, yeah, entry-level writers don't make man. Well, I mean, the WGA has standard staff writers' right. salaries that are pretty generous, I thought. Mm. But, mm. I, I mean, I th- when I saw the info, it was 4000 a week was staff writer starting salary. I'm not sure if this person was a, a writer's assistant then or what. Yeah, if they're an assistant, they make cookie crumbs. Yes, they make you yes. okay. Yeah. yeah. Which, and I am not insinuating at all that I make more than 4000 a week. I'm just saying it would take a whole lot for me to leave my current job. That's what I make every two months, so I'd be super happy with 4000 <laughs> Right, right. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks for listening to the show, guys. Um, we will see you later, and it was uh, it was good. See you guys later. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Bye. it was fun. Bye, everyone. Buenas noches, mis amigos. <laughs>